From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about the stigma that comes with therapy, but from a new angle. Many people see therapists and are starting to be more open about it. But how would you feel if your therapist was open about seeing a therapist? So on this episode, I want to know, would you trust a therapist who sees a therapist? We all have different feelings on this topic. And so today I'm going to be talking to someone by the name of Aditi, who contacted me on social media, who is a therapist, who also receives therapy. And we're going to hear her experience and how people feel about it. Also, I'll be talking to spiritual guru, Jay Shetty, who's going to share his thoughts on this topic. And we'll be hearing from some of you who called in to share your feelings as well, because everyone's feelings on my show are always welcome. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, friends! Well, I have to tell you, thank you so much for being here. So explain what dance movement therapy is. I know what it is, but a lot of people might not understand Mm -hmm. what exactly you do and how it helps people who are having mental health issues. Yeah, so it's... It's a specific form of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Where its strength lies is that it works with the mind-body connection. And the idea is to work not just on like your physical, on like your emotional, cognitive kind of social skills and those issues that you would with any other therapy, but it's also to work on like this physical movement level yeah. because a lot of our emotions are stored in, stored in our body. Mm-hmm. Until you leave that unexplored, it's going to trigger the same reactions on like this physical level that you never get to process. Yeah. And the idea is to bring that to your awareness so you're living like a more like a fuller life, a more holistic life, because there's this whole part of you that you're missing. But the idea is to do that within this therapeutic movement relationship. Mm -hmm. Because you can like dance by yourself, you can listen to music by yourself, you can do art by yourself, but it's your relationship with your therapist which turns it into a therapy and not just like dance as therapy. A lot of people are not raised with emotional vocabulary. And like if you talk to kids, they don't have that. Like they're still developing. There are people with developmental disorders who might not have that. People who are experiencing psychosis who might not have that. So this body, like that is something that every single person has, right? So as far as you have a body, you have a way to express yourself. So can you give me an example of like um, describe a body movement that they would do to Mm -hmm. that you would do for dance movement therapy? One thing that we do is we try to find what movement works ideally for every single person. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're doing breath work, you would ask people to like find a position that makes them comfortable. So it might be in a chair. It might be with your legs crossed. It might be on the floor. And then you would say, find a way to actually like feel that breath. So a lot of people do one hand on their heart, one on their belly. They will do that. So instead of giving like a directive and saying, this is the movement for you. It's like, this is the goal that we're working for, working on. Yeah. But I want to use your movement because that is what comes naturally to you. Makes complete sense. Yeah. I think it's such a great way because I think a lot of times people forget that what's going on in your mind starts to play out in your body. Yeah. And and we, we most people, they know it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So they start feeling tension and they're yeah. like, oh, I'm stressed. And mm-hmm. they don't realize that's their body saying something is going, going on in your mind. Yeah. And so for you to be able to help them to get to a space where they can find comfort in yeah. their body and then they can also use their body to start to understand what's going on with their yeah. minds is so important. Like people don't realize it that, you know, your body is with you all the time and your body is your foremost ally. Yeah. Well, what I love about this is, and especially about your journey and your story, is You've come from a place in India where you were in such a supportive family and supportive Mm -hmm. environment. And then you 
went into a field mm-hmm. that you support people all the time. Yeah. Which I understand wholeheartedly because mm-hmm. when you're in a, a field where you are constantly here to support, help people figure out what's happening with them, help them along their emotional journey, mm-hmm. you take in a lot. Yeah. And what's that been like for you since, because you're in a new country, you're yeah. away from your family, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you're also taking in what everyone else is going through on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. I think I never understood kind of the magnitude of it coming into it. Also, because when I joined the program, I, I feel like I never had like any like quote unquote real world experience. Mm-hmm. Like I had never worked full time. I had never really had that chance to like interact with people outside the academic setting. I've been in school since I was two years old yeah. and I graduated at 24. Like it's just been back to back from high school to college to grad school. Yeah. And I feel like nobody talks about these things. Even when you're training, people who are training you themselves have probably not had that experience, especially when some of these experiences are related to some aspects of your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and no one gives you like this kind of like cautionary, like, oh, if you go into this field, here are the side effects of like, here are things to expect. <laughs> yeah. But no one talks about the emotional repercussions of entering a field and then what that would do. Yeah. You have all of these things. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I didn't even think about the fact that you've been in school since two years old. Yeah. New country, new, you know, new career. It's like yeah. a lot of pressures. And then on top of all those pressures, you're taking on and helping so many people, which I know is your passion. Yeah. So it's not like you're ungrateful and happy Mm -hmm. but it doesn't leave a lot of time for you to also think about what's going on with you yeah Yeah. because I feel like so much of the energy that goes into like empathy and compassion when it's being used almost every single day of the week you don't have any left when you're home because it becomes a choice between do I use the remaining energy that I have to look after myself or do I just do it to get through my daily chores and like take some rest yes yes You're preaching to the choir. (laughs) My best friend is here, and I'm sure he's heard me have the exact same conversation where I'm like, I'm so exhausted right now, and I'm not sure if I need this energy just to get the stuff done that I need to get or really focus on my emotional health. Yeah. It's causing a challenge in your life Mm -hmm. because it sounds like you're at a space now where you're looking for help. So now you're in the process of looking for your own therapist. I found one in April, Mm -hmm. and I've started since then. But I always knew that I wanted my therapist to be a dance movement therapist because when I graduated, I felt like I was on top of the world, ready to take on the world and like do every single thing that I've planned to do. And five years down the line, five months down the line, my mental health had never been worse. And I ended up having two panic attacks in the one year since I graduated. So I knew I needed to process it on like a very physical level as well because a lot of people might not realize it, but panic attacks do have a very clear physiological component to them. Yeah, makes sense. So now that you have found a therapist and you're seeing a therapist, what is the response when people find out that you're seeing therapists as a therapist? It is varied, I will say that. So if I talk to people that I graduated with, I think they are a lot more supportive. A lot of them are in therapy themselves. I think it's a little different when I've tried to like talk to people that I know from before, like friends from before. Uh, I don't think a lot of people in my family know this yet. I feel like it's been easier with the newer generation, but it's harder to have that conversation with my mom because I feel like 
in India, mental health is such a huge stigma yet. Listen, you are and preaching the to the choir. My best friend is here, and I'm sure he's heard me have the exact same conversation. Whether in the family or like in the larger society, it's like, usually focused on I'm like so things like psychosis. Right People don't think it's sure like depression and like in like normal neurotics that we talk about. That I need so to get, there's been like really a bit of like why do you need this? And if you do need this, like how does this make sense? Like you're a therapist, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or it's always like. Oh, positive vibes only. We'll only talk about good things, and like we should only focus on things that are going well. And I feel like I want to say I don't mind positive vibes. My problem is only positive vibes. That mm-hmm. is where it becomes an issue. Yeah, here you are again in a whole other country. Yeah, and the system support that you had started to dissipate. You turn to your mother, and she's yeah. looking at you like, "What's going on? Why are you doing yeah. this? How does that make you feel?" When I first started off, that was like a whole bunch of irritation and like annoyance a little bit of frustration as well yeah. but I feel like the more that I've been in therapy the more I've been able to kind of reframe that and talk about you know like it's still coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place of concern and we need like I need to figure out what's a better way to communicate with her about it because unfortunately all my emotional language I feel is in English like there's a very clear like it's a very linguistic language like yeah. not even like emotional language in this abstract sense yeah i don't have emotional vocabulary in my own language mm. wow. and that makes it very hard for me to like talk about these things yeah so i'm trying to like figure out on like that communication piece and talk about that and also remind myself that all of this is coming from a place of concern we're just approaching it in two different ways because we've just been raised with very very distinct ways of approaching mental health and like coping skills. Yeah. Something you wrote to me, which I thought was very interesting, as you said, as a therapist, it does not mean that I'm immune to daily experience of misogyny, sexism, Mm -hmm. racism, and xenophobia. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? So I work at like a psych facility with a with like older adults. And um, just it was like just in the past month and like, of, of course, it's related to like the larger, like what's going on, like in the political system here as well. Yeah, of course. And like certain tweets came out and then I went to work and then this person was like, why are you trying to hurt us? Why do you guys come here? Why are you trying to like take things away from us? You guys are trying to harm us. Mm-hmm. And obviously this person is somebody who is a patient of mine who's struggling with reality orientation. So... I have to like kind of try to understand their perspective, like how they're approaching it, but still be empathetic. Like this person will not show me empathy and judgment, but I have to be non-judgmental and I have to be empathetic. I mean, most people, if someone's being racist or homophobic Mm -hmm. or misogynistic, you're able to muster up the courage and to say that's not right. Yeah. In your job, if someone is doing that, you have to. Be empathetic to them and you have to show them love and support and you can't defend yourself. Mm -mm. So instead of saying, instead of like talking back or saying anything, standing up for myself, I have to say, you know, I found myself saying, you know, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. I mean, I'm here in my role as a therapist. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Or is there anything that I can do which will make you safe? Because I know you're a little scared of me right now. Wow. Wow. The reason I'm saying wow is because it's touching me, but it's also to look at someone who is making you feel unsafe and say, how can I make you you feel feel safe? safe. Yeah. is is so hard. Yeah. And here you are. You have to stay in the abusive relationship to, in an essence, to help them through it. And then you walk out in the world and 
now you've already been triggered because I'm sure mm-hmm. that's not the first time someone has said something like no, that to yeah. you. <laughs> so you've heard it before. Yeah. And now you're in your job and you're hearing it again. Yeah. And I don't think that people understand that perspective of what's going on. Yeah. I really am so appreciative of you coming here and really sharing this story because I think it's going to help a lot of people to understand when they hear or see a therapist who is saying, I need to check in on my mental health. I need to see a therapist. You're paving a new path Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I think you probably already know this. But if (laughs) you're not trying, you're doing, you're exceptional. Because for you to be at the age you're at and coming here and accomplishing so much Mm -hmm. and not only doing so much good work, but also being a voice for people who normally aren't able to speak up and say, Mm -hmm. I need help too. And you don't have the right to judge me for wanting to get help Mm -hmm. is so important. I'm in this field and I think I've never had that conversation on television. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I bow down to you because you're... You're paving a path. You're exceptional. Thank this is you. Yeah. You, you really are. <laughs> Thank but you. you really, really are. I hope that people understand out there burnout is a big thing that happens to people who are constantly giving. To see a therapist gives you an opportunity to process all the trauma you're taking in. Yeah. And to be able to look at what's happening in your own life and also the trauma yeah. you're taking in from your clients and to figure out how to navigate that, which is so important in the world. And the fact that you have the courage to be a professional and to also be a human being and stand in both of those things so beautiful, Mm -hmm. thank you. And I appreciate you being here. Yes. Can I have another hug? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't trust a therapist that needs to see a therapist because why is that person going to see a therapist if I'm coming to you for therapy? Why are you going to another person for therapy? I'm kind of confused about that. If you had a therapist that needs to see a therapist, then you better than anyone should understand that needing to see a therapist and talk through your issues or whatever's going on does not discredit the advice or their professional opinions about you, just like it wouldn't. If you are seeing a therapist, it doesn't discredit your professional ability to do whatever you do. So friends, my next guest is the world's newest spiritual guide, and his name is Jay Shetty. This is a man who has had many different transitions in his young life. So he graduated with a degree in business, but then decided to leave that life to become a monk, where he helped build sustainable villages and distributed over one million meals to people in need. Then after years of reflection, he decided to stop being a monk, move back home with his parents, where he realized he was in massive debt. Knowing he still wanted to help others, he became a life coach using his skills that he learned in business schools, the skills that he learned being a monk, and the lessons he gained from being in debt to guide others. Today, Jay is an award-winning digital strategist turned captivating host, storyteller, and viral content creator. He is guiding people worldwide in having deeper and more meaningful conversations with themselves so that they can live more fulfilled lives. Everyone, please help me welcome my friend, Jay Shetty. Hey, Jay, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Karama, I'm good. I'm good. I'm so looking forward to this, and I'm so grateful to be here, man. Thank you. So how do you feel about therapists who need to see a therapist? I personally believe that there can be no full chain in coaching 
if a coach doesn't have a coach or a therapist doesn't have a therapist in the sense that the only way a coach can continue to be a coach and a therapist can continue to be a therapist is if they continue to take their own medicine through other people. Mm. It's like kind of saying like, should your personal trainer have a personal trainer? Yeah. And yeah, they should because they need to stay fit too and they need to be challenged too. And we all know that we need other people in our life to be challenged. Now, there is a difference though between someone, if she's saying, I need a therapist to continue my work, that's great. If she's saying, I am so mentally disturbed right now that I need a therapist that I can't help, that's a different story. That I wouldn't want to see someone like that. But for example, like me and my wife go to India every year to spend time with the monk teachers that I studied with. And I do that for my own growth. And I need that in my life because I know that when I'm around them, I get to up level again because they see what I'm doing and they're not impressed by numbers or they don't get impressed by the media world. They're impressed by like, Jay, how deep is your meditation? Like, how much do you love God? Mm. Like, you know, those are their questions. Like, how much do you love God? How, yeah. much, how much are you deeply in love with meditation? How much have you really deeply been compassionate and served other people? Like, that's my take. I would love to hear yours, but that's my take, that I don't think anyone should be discouraged from getting help. If anything, I think anyone getting help, it should be more credit to them for being so authentic. And a good example recently is I had a therapist on my podcast called Laurie Gottlieb. She wrote a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And she's very famous, you know, got many clients who are well known and everything. But she herself has a therapist and she talks about it in her book. And she talks about the same discomfort that people feel. So I'm a big proponent of therapists having therapists and coaches having coaches and personal trainers having personal trainers. I agree with you. How would you suggest with someone that they talk to someone who has this negative perception because she's losing clients now, not because she's in a disturbed space, but from her space, just like you said, she just wants to continue to fill herself and grow so that she can help others. How would she have that conversation with others in your opinion? Yeah, great question. I think first of all, she doesn't need to share with her clients her own journey. Like you don't need to, mm -hmm. like there's no clause in your contract or agreement or human agreement of having to say that. And the reason why I say that is like, for example, like Will Smith has an acting coach, mm -hmm. but no one knows that, right? Like it's like, you don't, you don't think that someone of that standard has an acting coach, but he does. And he doesn't need to talk about it all day. And so I feel like with her clients, she can talk about it with her friends, she can talk about it with everyone, but with her clients, she can keep that part of her life private. And I'm not saying that in a dubious way or a manipulative way. I'm just saying, I don't think clients need to know that if it's not helping them. Yeah. Do you think that's like where vulnerability and being too transparent goes too far? Correct. Yeah, exactly. It's the other end of the stick, right? It's like there's complete privacy and secrecy. And then there's vulnerability, which is not vulnerability anymore. It's not really helping. Obviously, if it was helping, it'd be great. Like I find being open about the fact that I have coaches is a positive thing because people think, well, if I'm investing in Jay and he's investing, it just shows that it's a never ending journey. And so I find it very helpful mm -hmm. to tell people that I have coaches and spiritual teachers and guides. So that's one thing. The first thing is she doesn't have to tell me. The second is if she's like, Jay, that's like, I need to be vulnerable. I need to be honest. And I don't think it's about being dishonest. I just think that it's, it can be controlled. I think she needs to explain the context that because I want to give you more, because I want to be the best for you, I too have to take this medicine. I too have to apply these principles. And that means I too believe in therapy, which actually makes you believe that therapy is even more important because it's an investment at every stage of your life. And it's not a journey where you get to an end and now you don't need it. Everyone needs it because 
guess what? Life's always changing. Life's always throwing in new challenges. Yes. Like, why should you ever feel like you no longer need this? And I think she needs to explain that to her clients before she goes into a story saying, oh, when I was speaking to my therapist, he or she said this to me. I think she needs to explain the context of why having a continuous learning approach is so important. And if she's losing clients, I would also question the quality of the client. Mm. Because if my personal trainer told me he had a trainer, I would just feel like, oh, great. I'm glad you're challenging yourself and keeping in shape. But if I left him, I would kind of feel like, well, maybe that client wasn't with you for the right reasons. They were with you because they wanted you to be perfect. And no one's perfect. Like, you know, I have my own issues. We all have our own issues. And I don't think it's bad for people to have people in their life. So I would question the kind of client level as well of those who are leaving. But I guess my biggest thing is what's affecting her the most? Is it business is suffering or is it that she feels emotionally hurt by this? Like, what is it out of the two? Well, I think what you have said has summarized it so beautifully is of like, it's okay to seek help, but giving clear context when you need to, because there's a double-edged sword with being too transparent. And I think all of those are great solutions and are very clear and can give people another way of looking at themselves as well. If someone you know who's a therapist is seeing a therapist, for you to check yourself and say, well, why am I judging that? Why am I judging their own growth? Jay, you answered that beautifully, so thank you so much. No, no, thank you, man. I'm just happy to help. I would totally trust a therapist that needs to see another therapist. I think that's actually healthy with the amount of gravity uh, that a therapist would need to take on to run that through a mentor or a, another professional. The therapist is a human and they are definitely going through things that other humans go through, whether it's divorce or loss or depression. And you know, they need people to talk to just like anybody else. I wanna thank Aditi for sharing her story everyone who called in and shared their feelings, and lastly, Jay Shetty for coming on the show and being so open about his thoughts on this topic. Listen, friends, what I know to be true is that if your therapist is seeing a therapist, that is a good thing. We have to recognize that therapists aren't superheroes. They are people trained with skills to help each of us overcome our emotional and mental hurdles. Their life does not start and stop when they assist us. So if they need to see someone for the other areas of their life, that is a good thing. It means they are staying healthy so they can continue to have clarity so they can help you. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. Mm-hmm.